Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. This is Thrive Deeper, episode 112. G'day, I am your host, DJ Payne, and on this episode, Matthew Jacoby and I are sitting down to discuss the Gospel of Luke. We're almost at the end. We're in the last parts of the Gospel of Luke, and I hope you are getting as much out of this amazing Gospel as I am. Also, on this week, to start off a brand new year, and I want to really, really bring you on board this ministry of Thrive. That's right. I want you to keep on listening because I've got an impassioned plea for you to get involved. So keep on listening as uh, as we head into the Gospel of Luke. Matthew and I really hope that the Holy Spirit uses this discussion about God's Word to help you thrive and go deeper. Happy New Year to you too. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Do you think? Um, the, my, here's a little uh, rabbit trail right to begin off the year mm-hmm. with. Uh, one of my pet peeves is as soon as we turned into, as soon as we went from the 1900s yeah. to the year 2000, yeah, it was fine to use the word 2000, yeah, for that one year, yeah, and then the next year it was the year 2001, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's like, I live by that rule yeah. in my mind. Yeah. I have spent 20 years complaining when people, especially people in media, use the word, use, uh, you know, we're living in the year 2018. Yeah. Because we don't speak like that. No, no, we don't. We, uh, well, well, in that, uh, before it turned 1999, yeah. we were all saying, oh, back in, like in 95 or in yes. 86, or yes. in, it was always- Just that. The, the, the 90, because we'd been in the 19th century, as uh, the uh, 20th century yeah. for, well, 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> and so, after 100 years, we got used, so used to the 19 bit. I think, I think finally, yeah. this year will be the year that finally shakes people off yeah. saying- I live in the year 2021. No one's yeah, going to say point. that anymore. Yeah. Finally, people are going to say, yeah, it's 21. Yeah, so we're just going to say 21. Yeah, it's or 2021. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever you want, yeah. however. Anyway, there's my little that's tip. Good, eh? That's good. That's deep. <laughs> that's This is deeper, isn't it? <laughs> we are doing so, deeper. Well, we we've, got to, we've got to start shallow so that everything else that we say <laughs> from now on is deeper than that. Well, I'm good at yeah. shallow. I'm good at shallow. Listen, we are we are pursuing through and taking our time, and it's really, really good. I'm really enjoying spending time uh, going deeper in the Gospel of Luke, written by Dr. Luke, a, a, a Gentile believer. And if you haven't caught up within the other episodes, gee, you've got a really rich few episodes of us covering uh, you know, the Gospel of Luke. And today, we want to get uh, through four chapters, chapters 15, 16, 17, and 18. Mm. Matt, I've done... My little my little outlines that I like to do for oh, myself. I love your little outlines. I do. I don't make outlines for myself, and They're I can good. see here that there's like in these four in these four chapters, there's like fourteen chunks mm-hmm. of teaching. I would yeah. break it up in fourteen different ways. There's seven different parables we want to cover today. Yeah, three different teaching moments he has. Okay. There's two healings, yeah. one prediction, 
and one blessing he pronounces. Okay, well, that's a there's my <laughs> that's an interesting framework. <laughs> there's my interesting framework. Now we're going to kick it off. The first the first two chapters are full of parables. There's five parables in these two chapters we want to cover yeah, today. It, in fifteen and sixteen, I wanted to I wanted to ask you one thing, Matt, mm. because I had someone ask me this, a new believer this week. Mm-hmm. How would you define a parable? Because they sort of came to me and said, "Oh, parable is that like?" An Aesop fable, or is that just something that Jesus made up? Is it there was a bit of confusion about what a parable is? Is it a true statement? Is it a riddle? Is it a what is a parable? Well, a parable is a story with a point. So it's a, it's a and it does not necessarily have to be a true story. It's a, okay. it's a story that uh, that is used to convey something, some some truth uh, about God or the way that God works, the way that the kingdom of God is. That's or you know, in parables you can have parables outside the Bible. So, um, and so we get like it, an illustration, <laughs> or yes, uh, yes, it is. It is an illustration. It's an illustration. Um, uh, of 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 a certain of a it's it's used to convey a certain idea, yeah. And and we'll see how focused these actually are because there's the parable of the shrewd manager, which we're going to look at in a moment, Oof. which is one of the most uh, asked about parables that I've you know parables that I've been asked about, yeah. And and it's a great example of how to interpret a parable. Great. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to that. Okay, cool. So so there's nothing like mystical about them. He's not making up a story. I mean, Jesus could mm. be making up oh, a, yeah. sto- okay. a story. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, like yeah. he could be making up a story that's. Um, out off the top of his head, or yeah. he's actually thinking of a story that he's heard before, yeah. or he's looking at something and may- and saying, "Look at this over there. Look at that." You yeah, know how- yeah. They could be. I mean, they could be real instances where yes. where these sorts of things have happened. That could well be the case, but they don't need to be. Okay. You know, so for example, the first parable in in chapter fifteen, yes. is the parable of the lost sheep. You know, um, uh, where, where it's. It clearly has this illustrative element because he, it's not even so much a story. It says he appeals to as to them as a as a shepherding yeah. people, yep. and he says, "Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it?" Yeah, and everyone says, "Yeah, okay, yep, yeah, that's right." You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Um, so it's almost yeah. like it's almost like at the beginning of the opening of each of Jesus's parable. Sometimes he was, and to begin again, depending on the translation, um, this might be a really interesting little nerd word study to go down on a, on a rabbit trail. But sometimes he says, "Hey, it's like." Or yeah. sometimes he says, you know, there was. Yeah. Like he makes a declarative statement yeah. like like he's telling an actual story. Yeah. Um, or sometimes he says, yeah. you know, it's almost like he's saying, imagine there were, there is. Yeah. Or if there was, yeah. you know, type of thing. So he's it's not one thing all the time. It's yeah, not like right. he's telling yeah. a true story every time. Yeah. Or he's not making it up every time either. It yeah, could that's be right. Yeah, and actually we don't know, like with the famous par- parallel parable of the prodigal son he begins that there was a man who had two sons yeah um so he he tends not to sometimes he introduces the parable saying the kingdom of god is like something yes and so that has that more metaphorical uh character uh but then you've got you know the rich man and lazarus Mm. um uh, and he says there was yeah there was yeah yeah, yeah, that's right and and so is this did this really happen i mean there's elements of that story that um uh, that suggests that maybe it may not have been literal, but yeah. then it might have as well, yeah. you know. So, and and same with the parable, 
parable of the prodigal son is this is this a story that perhaps is familiar uh, to people already or that he knows about or something guess what my preference is every yeah, the, time yeah i know yeah you it's, already know it's, it's true and it's literal <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, so predict- I'm so no, predictable. I, I, no, that's good. And I'm, as I said, it, it, it may well be. Yeah. My, my point is is that it doesn't need to be in order for yes. it to fulfill its role. That's a great you that know. is an excellent Whereas, point. In a miracle account, yes. um that literally is real, yes. literally is real yeah. because that the point is that it's actually real and it really happened. Now, because you know, I mean there are critical scholars that want to read the gospels and say, well, it wasn't really, you know, it ain't yep, necessarily yep. I've so, added this scene, uh, this added yeah. Uh, that's uh, in no way is that the way it's meant to be taken yeah. in, in the text. Now, as we begin chapter 15 and we get three incredible stories straight away, very important that we we analyse or listen to these stories, these parables of Jesus by the opening two verses. Why is Jesus telling these yeah. two stories, these three stories in chapter 15? Because Luke sets it up perfectly in the first two, cha- first two verses of Chapter 15, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such despicable people, and he was even eating with them. Yeah. And Jesus, looking at the sinners that were coming, looking at the Jewish leaders coming, says, let me tell you three stories. Yeah, that's right. And oh, it, it, the, that context means so much. Yeah, it means so much to me. Elsewhere it says, um, you know, Jesus says to some people that, you know, refers to the fact that he had become known by this stage yeah. as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yeah. And and uh, he seems to be okay with that, you know. And, um, and it's interesting, I reflected on this actually as I read this, uh, you know, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And I was thinking about that statement about Jesus being known as a friend of sinners. I mean, I wonder. Um, so, in other words, the people who felt sort of most welcomed by Jesus and seemed to be were those whose lives didn't really accord with biblical values, you know, that, that almost yeah. accorded least with biblical values. And, yes. And they were the ones that, uh, that, saw them, you know, that, that would have felt most oh, kind of welcomed by Jesus. Definitely. Um, and and I, I thought about that and I thought, I wonder if the same thing could be said of the Church of Jesus now. Oh, you 100%. Know. Well, it depends. Well, look, immediately I want a knee-jerk reaction and say, no, yeah. we often don't. We, you, you've opened up a Pandora's box. Yeah, I've opened up to- a Pandora's box. But I, I just, I mean, I guess I, I just put out that question because uh, I think – I think this is a challenge for us as Christians because I think the the sort of Pharisee um, thing we, we, as I've said before, we tend to caricature the Pharisees like they're completely unlike us because Jesus oh. was quite harsh on them. Yeah. So if he's harsh on them, then we mustn't be anything like them. I mean, that's the wishful thing. That's right. That's the assumption. <laughs> but I think I think the Pharisee orientation. The longer we be, we we are Christians, yes. the more likely it is that we can actually become more like these Pharisees. Yeah, hundred percent. And and so so I think actually we need to constantly be reading these stories of the Pharisees and the interaction with the Pharisees, not separating ourselves from them, not trying to caricature them in a way that makes them look completely unlike us, yeah. but actually say, well, actually, am I like this? Yeah. Do I have this tendency? And Matt, you've set up these next three stories here from mm. Jesus perfectly yeah. because he's talking 
We take these stories, and don't get me wrong, Jesus' parables are amazing. They're so they're short and they're so deep. Yeah. So many different levels and there's so many different ways we can take them. But the point of these three stories is it's to the Pharisee yeah. each time. Even yeah. though the sinner's listening, the other sinner's listening here would be getting a lot out of it. Yeah. But the point, the pointy end of the stick is what he's doing is definitely to the to the teachers, to yeah. the religious people. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and again, the, you know, the challenge is, you know, I think as the church, we always, this is, uh, I think, we're following Jesus who, who, ref, who had this, this is how the sinners and the tax collectors, they felt, they didn't see him as their enemy, they saw him as their friend. And I think that's a, that's a really... Uh, important kind of measure for the church of any age. Um, so I just leave that out. That I think that's a that's, that's a an important point. takeaway yeah. from this. Now, um, the, the the thing that we see, and Luke particularly emphasizes the subversive, the constant subversive nature. Mm. Um, Jesus seems to turn things upside down. Uh, you know, it's it's the woman sitting at the feet of Jesus who is pointed out as the exemplar. Uh, in a, in a world where the male Pharise- the male disciple of the Pharisee, um, you know, where, where the Pharisees were the top of the tree, and um, and here again you have this uh, Jesus explaining why this is the case. Yeah, and, um, and so we, so we start with the lost sheep. Yeah, and this and this is going to explain really the whole culture. Of Christianity and its missional nature. I love it. Uh, this is this is where this chapter is so important. Yeah, because this is going to define the movement that comes from Jesus. It's not a walled city; it's a mission. Mm. You know, and and it's about going out and 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 reaching uh, people. Mm. Um, and I should say too, just to comment. When it says, you know, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them, Jesus always had a transforming effect on these people. So it wasn't. Um, it was come as you are, yeah. but understand that everything is going to change when yes. you do. You know, so, and, and, and these yeah. people were up for that. That's what was commendable about them because they were responsive, yeah. they understood their need, and they just, you know, mm. uh, they were the most open. And, and you, you bring up a great little asterisk point there, Matt, you know, with the, with the broken sinners, with the people who knew their need and could see the good man, the loving man who could add an, an-, an actual answer to them. Yep. Jesus wasn't spending his time with the philosophers of the yep. day, yep. the people who were, pont- you know, the, yep. the, the, the people who were, you know, he was in amongst the Jews for starters, yep. there's that context, but the sinners that he was he was connecting with were the people who knew their need they were broken yeah, right. and they saw someone loving and he, he he was he was just as direct with them yeah as he was with everybody yeah. but he wasn't and this is a thing that i think sometimes we get a little bit enamored with we sometimes as the church will not go to the people who need us the most yeah. because they're still the bottom yeah, of the yeah. society, but we think, oh, we need to go to the sinners. Let me go to the philosophers, to the famous people, yeah. to the celebrities, yeah. to the to the yeah. elite, mm. and we end up changing, yeah. not them. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I just want to put that little yeah. asterisk there, uh, you know, uh, about yeah. it. So there's this wonderful illustration about leaving the 99 going to the one, you yeah. know, so he, it's, you know, in an ancient, uh, sorry, in a, in a, um, 
Middle Eastern context, I yes. should say, because it's not ancient still today. In fact, if you drive through uh, Israel and Jordan, you know you see uh, Bedouins with their sheep just walking in open country, and the sheep are always they follow the shepherd. Hmm. You know, wherever he goes, the sheep just follow the shepherds around, and and you see this everywhere. And um, and so they're not they're not so much in paddocks. Sometimes they are corralled up in paddocks. You know, they might be at night or yep. or something, but. Um, so you have this picture of the shepherd actually leaving the sheep, you know, uh, maybe corralled up or something. Uh, or, no, actually, it says here that he leaves them in the, uh, in open country. Mm. And you think, oh, gee, you know, he's meant to be protecting them. But this is the point of the parable. He actually he wants to go after the, that lost one. Mm. Uh, and so um, it's uh, you know, th- there's there's this sense of um, you know God's focus on the one. And I often. I often think about this because as a pastor I I think okay I'm I'm preaching to the 99 but this part of me that is always aimed at the one yeah you know it's that one lost sheep yeah. and I think it's such a healthy attitude to take uh, it, it's that one lost sheep that really doesn't understand that one lost sheep that is is um, is the skeptic or the one lost sheep that, it, and so I, you know, I will often direct things to them, mm. uh, and and just put aside because I know all you Christians, I know you all get this, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and 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 I'll I'll go out and I'll try to speak in a language that that one can understand. I just I think this, as I said, I think this um, illustration, this parable, sets the agenda uh, for mission for the church, and of course, the idea here is that. God is a God who rejoices over finding what is lost, mm. and that's what comes through in the parable of the lost coin. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we and we get something about the personality straight away. He gives Jesus gives us God's personality, the Father's personality that is shocking. Yeah. To the audience, and sometimes it's shocking to us. Yeah. To be honest with you, in verse seven, Jesus says, "Look, in the same way, heaven, and that's a Jewish way of saying yeah, yeah. God." Yeah will be happier over the one lost sinner who has returned to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Yeah, it's a beautiful way of putting it. And I'm be like, more rejo- this is in the NIV. There will be more rejoicing in heaven, heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. And, and, and as now, let me yeah. just say this, as a righteous person... Or as someone who is putting my right, you know, claiming yep. my righteousness as yep. God and wanting to follow with Him and wanting yep. to be a committed Christian and living that life, I, I sort of go, ah. But here's the thing: <laughs> we can actually, we are invited to join in that rejoicing. Yes, exactly. That's the thing, and that's what he brings. We're being drawn into yes, that. Yes, yeah. and as he goes in the stories, he and keeps when we get it to out. the parable of the lost son, yes. that becomes explicit oh. because the parable of the lost son. Well, it is a parable about a lost son, but it's also the parable about an elder brother oh. who struggles. Well, look, let's, let's quickly jump over the lost coin, okay? we got the story of the lost yep. coin. Again, he's, he's making the same point. A woman has a collection of valuable silver coins. She loses one. She turns the house upside down to find the one, mm. and then she tells all her friends, and everybody says, great, and then he, Jesus goes on, yes, God and the angels are celebrating over Well, he one. says, in the same way I tell you there is there is rejoicing in the presence of angels, uh, in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Yeah. So, who was in the presence of the angels of God? Yeah. It's God. Yeah. God is rejoicing here. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful. Um, <laughs> so it's sort of it gets a bit. It, it, it gets a bit bigger there, yeah. and then we get 
otherwise, uh, you know, it could be known as the story of the lost son, the prodigal son, you know, these type of things. And this one is so subversive to the Jewish yeah. audience yeah. that we've lost the shock of this story. Yeah, we have. Yeah. We've lost the shock of this story because yeah. as Jesus is telling it, I can imagine, and I think, is it, oh, who wrote the message version? Yeah. Uh, Peterson. Peterson. Eugene Peterson. Did, did, Eugene Peterson wrote, wrote the story of the book of God, the book of Paul, like a, a novelization of uh, I'm not Jesus. Sure if it was. Okay. Oh, could have been Yancey. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, I'll put a link to the show yeah. notes. His rendering yeah. of the scene in written form of Jesus telling this story is phenomenal because he paints the picture of the little, you know, the town square. And as Jesus begins telling the story, you know, the Jewish elders are like leaning on edge of the chair and they're commentating on what Jesus is saying, like, you know, and as, as the prodigal son leaves, they're like spitting, ah, gone. You know, he's, he's broken the law. He's broken this. This is against the law of Moses. What about, like, they're all commentating as Jesus. And he's really, and Jesus is really hooking them in. Yeah. You know, and so by it gets the impact at the end, they're devastated and they hate the story. They hate the story. Yet the few sinners in the crowd are like, this is what I needed to hear. That's right. Because the, the younger son just breaks all the taboos. Uh, He, you know, he, he calls for an early inheritance. I mean, this is that's just that's a terrible thing to do at this time. Yeah. He, you know, he basically, basically wishing even today. Yeah, like if you, your son or my son came up to yeah. come up to one of our children came up to us and said, "Listen, Dad, I'm not going to wait around for you to be dead till yeah. you give me my money. Yeah, let me just live like you're dead now and give yeah. me your money now. Yeah, that's and I'll right. be gone. Yeah, exactly. And so- <laughs> yeah, and then he goes off and he squanders it all. Yes, uh, in wild living. So. Again, this is everything that's wrong, and this is a, this is the point where, um, you know, uh, it's you know it says after he had spent everything, there was a famine in that country, and he began to be in need, um, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Now, the fact mm. that it's pigs uh, is significant because pigs were the ultimate yes. unclean animal. Okay, so he's he's actually he's serving the pigs. Mm-hmm. This is how low this <laughs> this boy gets, and this is where the the, the hearers, you know, a, 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 would have thought, well, that's your just desserts. Yes. That's what you get. This is justice. Yeah. They would have laughed at that. Oh. They would have like, oh, oh yes. So it's, he sh- you know, in yes. their mind, he should have stopped there yeah. because there's a good story. Yeah. It's got a good moral, and it's got a ha- and it's and it's basically got for them a happy ending. Hmm. So, you know, you don't do that, do you? Because if you do that, that'll happen to you. But then Jesus goes on, hmm. and it says, when he came to his senses, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare?" You know, he remembers his father. Hmm. Uh, he sets out, you know, with this speech in his head, "Father, I've sinned in, from against heaven, against you," yeah. and. I love that that moment in verse 20 when it says, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Mm. And this is this, this is this beautiful Christological moment in the midst of this is, this is God coming to us in Jesus Christ, Mm. running to us. Mm. This is Jesus going out to where the sinners are, you know, and, uh, and actually reaching and embracing them. It's a beautiful yeah. uh, illustration. And so then you get this reinstatement. Uh, and, you know, the robe, the ring. Um, and this is where Jesus lost the crowd. This is where oh, Jesus yeah, yeah. lost oh. the, Jew- the Jewish, the elder Jewish crowd was like, 
maybe accept him back as a servant. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, be better not to. Yeah. Um, because he's essentially become unclean. Yeah. That's the other thing. He's and been a- feeding pigs. Exactly. And the fact that the f- this father character is running out there with love and accepting him back. Yeah. They were like, oh no, this father's full. Yeah. This father's a fool. Okay, yeah. so we're going to hear- about the pro- Yeah, it's about the prodigal father. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, okay, so, okay, now let's hear how the father's going to get some sort of just desserts yeah. back on it. Like yeah. there's- Because he embraces an unclean son. Yeah. I mean, the boy's been in wild living. He's been feeding pigs. Yeah. He's been- It's just, it's all- And we even we even do that in our own lives. I'm sure in within our families or our extended friends or even within our church, we have a beloved person in our life whose kids have gone wild- or has a loved one that's yeah. gone wild, wanders off, lives worldly, comes back home, Dad, I'm sorry. And we are sitting back there going, kick him out, kick him out, get rid of him. And this father brings it back and like, you idiot, he's just going to do it again. Like we have these moments mm. in our own life as well. Mm. And of course, this is where the older son comes in in verse 25. So they, there's there's this, you know, bring the fattened calf, have this feast celebrating. Yeah. And, uh, and the older son uh, turns up and he hears the music and the dancing and he hears that the brothers come back and they're having a big party. <laughs> and the older brother really <laughs> is, you know, the older brother is it's oh, he's the 99, you yes. know, he, he represents the 90, he represents the Pharisees. Um, he, re- he represents the, <clears throat> the righteous follower yeah. of God who is doing it, dare I even say this, he's doing a great job. Yeah. He's doing a really good job. Yeah. He's working hard yeah. for mostly the right reasons yeah. because he wants to please the right person. Yeah. But he sort of has lost that essence of what what, what God's heart is all about. Yeah. And I think here th- there is, um, you know, whereas Jesus is often very harsh on the tax collect- on the on sorry the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Yeah. You know, here there's this sense of him saying. You have always been with me. It's it's not it's it's not necessarily that yeah. what you've stood for is wrong. It's just that you haven't got it. Yeah, yeah. you haven't got you the haven't key got thing. You haven't got the main thing, and and so we have here the the older brother becoming angry and he refuses to go in. Mm. These are the details actually that are important that are really important. Yep. The older brother became angry. He refused to go in because remember a lot of the parables talk about them being shut out. In fact, in the previous chapter. Um, it talked about the the feast yeah. and then being shut out of the feast. Well, yep. here it becomes clear that that it isn't God that shuts them out. Yes. It's they that refuse to actually great go point, in. That's point. what really comes out strongly here. So this is building on previous parables where we might think, oh, no, Jesus is shutting people out here. No, no this makes it clear the older brother became angry and refused to go in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and the father went out. Yeah, and pleaded again, with again, him, yeah. and this is what Jesus is doing. Okay, yeah. he he is pleading with these people, mm. um, but he answered the father, "Father, look, all these years I've been slaving, so forth." And so, um, the father's response: uh, "My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is a this is a crucial moment. Are they going to get this? You know, mm. and you know what? Some will." Yeah, some of the Pharisees will uh, will get this, yes. um, but a lot of them are going to remain angry and shut out, 
and refused to enter in. Isn't, isn't it amazing? Those last, that last couple of verses there of chapter 15, my goodness, you could write, and I'm sure there already is, volumes on this, on yeah. those two yeah. verses. The fact that God the Father, and in the, and in this immediate context, He's talking to the right-living Jewish people. Yeah. The law-keeping, yeah. followers of Moses, Jewish people. Yeah. And, he's, and, he, and the Father says to them, you and I are very close. Yeah. You're with me. Yeah. You're right here in my household. Yeah. You've missed the point. My Father's heart is that I want your son, your, my son, your brother was dead. Yeah. And now he's back to That's life. Right. Let's celebrate. We do the same thing today. When we see we've been doing the hard work, we've been working towards God, and then some joker comes into church with some wild testimony, you know, getting yeah. saved, and then he's put up the front, and we here who's been saved all of our lives, yeah. working faithfully, not backsliding, being good, we're like, wait a minute, <laughs> how come they get all the attention and not me? Where's mm. my party? It's that same thing yeah. for some of us that we lose the Father's heart of how he sees us as human, you know, mm. as 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 his yeah, human right. children, yeah. how we come back. It's a, yeah. it's a real. It's such, such a deep teaching. Yeah. So, um, he, Jesus moves from chapter fifteen uh, from the uh, that parable to a, a very complex parable, and, mm. and this is one that a lot of people struggle to see the point. And this is really about um, this is about possessions. It's interesting that Jesus previously spoke about counting the costs. It's interesting, the, the progression of these parables. Yeah. Because just before these parables about God's grace to the sinners and the tax collectors who are gathering around, you have the all of this talk about counting the cost. Mm. You know, the, almost this sense of Jesus holding people at bay, saying, count the cost, count the cost, uh, but then surrounded by these sinners who are actually are just willing to give anything <laughs> to come in, you yeah. know, um, and then he's back to uh, sort of addressing possessions and, yes. and and the kind of obstacles that are, that prevent people actually from entering in. Okay, yeah. and one of the big obstacles, of course, is material possessions. So, um, so that's what this parable is about. Now, this is about. Uh, there's this rich man whose manager w- was accused of wasting his possessions, it says here. So he called him in and, and says, what is this I hear about? You give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Okay, so the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job and I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So, uh, so he's going to do something so that he's going to gain favour mm. with people in his present situation, so that he's welcomed into his next situation. Okay, that this is so. This is a classic example of um, of a parable doing one specific thing. Now, this is where the struggle comes because it's what he does. Yeah. So what he does. So is he called into each of his master's debtors? So he's still got this job, right? Yeah. But it's not for long. The days are numbered. Yep. Okay. So he's got this this time yeah. where he's in possession of money. He's a manager. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's in possession of money. For a little while longer, okay. So it's not it's not really his money; it's his master's money. Yep. So what is he going to do with that money in order to win favor in the next situation that he's going to be in? Now, this, of course, Jesus is talking about in this life. He's, he wants to say we're going to use money in a way that that um, that benefits us in the next life. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of this. So anyway, um, the problem here then is that the the shrewd manager goes and actually. 
uh, squanders away his master's money. But- well, in one sense, and he's, he, he's either that. I, there's something about this teaching here that I think, and I'm going to play yeah. a card, you know, that I, that I, I, I would do, you know, with anybody present, including my my beloved Jewish brothers and sisters. Yeah. This is such a Jewish way oh, yeah, of, yeah. To, of thinking yeah. about business and money yeah. and financial shrewdness. So it's like it's like a debt collector. I've always thought of it and ta- and taught about it like this it's like a debt collector going man alive i've got we've got all these invoices i'm the manager yeah. here i can either leave and the guy's got nothing or tell everybody hey just pay you know 50 cents to the dollar or harvey yeah. bill and i get it all in and i leave in a big you know yeah and and i think it's significant here that has to do with debts and this is yes. where it flows out from the parable of the prodigal son yeah yep. because um what, what he's doing here is he's calling in each of his master's debtors and and he is He's forgiving their debts. Uh, and so, um, by forgiving their debts, once he's lost his job, you know, he saved these people. They owe all of this money. And he, he said, how much do you owe? Hey, halve it. Yeah, yeah. How much do you owe? I mean, it's radical, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, so, um, you know, he. so the idea is, is that when he gets into his next, you know, once he loses his job, if he even does lose the job, because even, you know, the rich yeah. man, the guy who's yeah. managing for, you know, I love the way in, in the New Living Translation, this is how the New Living Translation translates verse yeah. 8. Jesus teaching, he says, look, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because actually, um, through him forgiving those debts, you know, he, he he wins this favor, yeah, for himself, but also for his master. Exactly, and, and I think gets cash in that wasn't there. Yeah, before. that's right. So the master says, "Well, actually, <laughs> that that's pretty shrewd, yeah." And I can work with someone like that, yeah, and exactly. and and so so at the end, yeah, it, it kind of ends up well for him. And I think I love this. Yes, uh, I love this because I think there's some real wisdom in this. Mm. Um, in, in how we treat people now. Mm-hmm. And if we're treating, you know, it's this shrewdness. It's like, this is only going to last so long. And and we want to act in a way now that has, you know, um, ben- benefit beyond that. There's a sort of, it's like that shrewdness that says, uh, I, I'm, I have, uh, I have, um, what's the best way to put this? Um, it's like, uh, you know, he talks about using worldly wealth. Let's even use that. It's yeah. like, I have these possessions. You know what? They're not mine. They actually yes. belong to God. Yes. And so I'm going to use worldly possessions in a way that actually benefits other people. Yeah. So that benefit will carry over into the next life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, and so Jesus' application is, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will uh, also be dishonest with much. So if you have been, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now the interesting thing about this is this: there's a sense in which the manager was kind of dishonest at first, wasn't? Yes, it? So exactly, like exactly. Maybe not trustworthy, but yeah. Um, but the manager commends him in the end, and and I think this is probably what makes it a little confusing, but. In a sense, Jesus is saying, actually, in God's economy, that is being trustworthy. Yeah, that level of shrewdness, where you where, where you put people before the re- resources. That's the and, point. And you're what you're going to do is you're going to bless people lavishly, you know, mm. and you're going to forgive debts, and you're going to do 
things in a way that actually are even unreasonably generous yeah. and unreasonably forgiving. Yeah. Uh, because actually that's going to benefit you eternally. Yeah. The, the, it's a, it is a, is a tricky one. It might take a couple of read-throughs. I encourage people who've had trouble with this passage, you know, in, in 16, this particular parable, to read it in different translations. Yeah. Even listen to it in different translations. Often hearing yeah. someone else read it in a different translation can help. But it also depends, I'll be really honest with you, it depends on what you've done for a living, I think. If you were to tell this story to yeah. a group of entrepreneurs and business people, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, I like it. If you were telling this to a bunch of union leaders or union workers, they'd be like, "Fire him! He's out of here, gone! He's like broken all the rules." It's this. Well, Jesus- the Pharisees didn't like it. Yeah, well, and again, but Jesus knew the audience of what he was trying to put his finger on. Yeah, and and almost bringing them on board. You know, at, at once, I think the Jewish audience got the fact that this guy was shrewd, and yeah. they sort of you sort of have this sort of. Even a like even even in the translation here where Jesus says this guy's a dishonest rascal, there's something about the shrewdness that we all go. It's pretty clever though. It's yeah, pretty clever. Yeah. Taking that and saying you need to have that type of cleverness yeah. with what God has given you here. Yeah. That's store, right. To yeah, store so up it's that not about is- dishonesty. No. It's about the cleverness and the shrewdness. Yeah. It, you know, it's about having that view beyond just this situation yes. into the next yes. uh, eternal situation. And he makes a big point of saying you have to be faithful with what you're giving. Yeah. He makes a Jesus makes a big point to yeah. counter um, you know, he, he's, he's not trying to say be dishonest. Yeah. He's saying you actually have to be really honest in every matter yeah. to get ahead. But the focus of what you're doing it yeah. doing it for is for this next life, yeah. not for now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, let's take it. We're, we're, we're running out of time here and we've still got uh-huh. quite a few chapters to go. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back on Thrive Deep with more from the Gospel of Luke. Brand new year is here. It's your old buddy DJ, and I hate to interrupt this episode of Thrive Deeper, but I wanted to start off this brand new year and come clean with you and come correct. Uh, let me explain. I know that as this episode goes live, we're one week into this new year, 2021. And as we start off this year, we pick up a lot of new listeners. A lot of people start listening to podcasts, you know, during this time. We pick up new listeners around this time. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Get in touch with me. I'd love to say hello. Uh, If you're new to the whole world of Thrive, let me tell you that this is a very small team. It's actually a three-person team. Me, uh, Matthew, obviously, and uh, the wonderful Stuart behind the scenes. And we're the small team behind Thrive. We bring out the daily reading guide to you. And out of that daily reading guide, whether that's a physical copy or a digital copy, we have the Thrive Deeper podcast, what you're listening to right now, helping you go deeper into the Word of God. We also have a sister podcast, Thrive 
perspectives, giving you different topics and worldviews, you know, and different perspectives on what's happening around us and different issues that are facing us. We want to bring you a biblical Christian perspective around that. That's Thrive Perspectives, our sister podcast. Each of them come out of Friday. One one Friday, it's Thrive Deeper. The next Friday, it's Thrive Perspective. So a fortnightly podcast of each of them. Now, the exciting thing is, as we face this new year, we have got so many great things planned for 2021. But let me be honest with you. Let me be completely transparent. We can't do what we do without your support. And that's your support, both in prayer, bringing us before our God, and also your financial support. We need your dollars and cents to keep this going. And it's really simple. We've made it as simple as we can. If you head over to thrivetoday.tv, thrivetoday.tv is our home online. At the top of the page and at the bottom of the page, you'll find links to donate and support. You'll be able to donate to this ministry, support this ministry. You can become a monthly partnership with us, or you can even just give us a one-off gift. Whatever you feel that this, these podcasts that we're creating have given you in your life, if you can financially support us, we we humbly ask. I know it's uncomfortable. We, we Australians are not good at asking for money, but we humbly come before you and say, please consider giving. Please consider sowing into this ministry. I'm excited also to let you know that in 2021, we've got some real tangible ways to give you back extra bonus content to bring you real exclusive access to me and Matt when you become a financial supporter. So be looking for that. We're going to be changing things up as we go through this month of January. Keep looking for that. But please, right now, if I can leave you with one thing, head over to thrivetoday.tv. Think about it. Pray about it. What is God asking you to do? And financially support us. If you feel that that's what He wants you to do, if you feel that we've given something into your life and you're able to financially support us, whatever you can give, it's going to mean a lot to us and keep us putting this out. Believe it or not, there's a lot of costs bringing out a podcast to you. Costs in hosting and getting on across all the platforms. We need your help in doing that. So please consider financially supporting us at thrivetoday.tv. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. We're all feeling uncomfortable about the financial asking. I'm going to leave it there. Right now, let's get back into the Gospel of Luke on this episode of Thrive Day. You're back. It's Thrive Deeper 112. DJ and Matt here, and we are flying through the Gospel of Luke. We spent a long time here on uh, chapters 15 and 16 at the beginning mm. here, Matt. We need to fly through the rest to get through the rest of this episode. So Jesus is, um, you know, talking to, you know, his Jewish crowd, a lot of religious leaders. He tells the story at the end of 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. Mm. Now, again, this is one of those ones, as we mentioned before, where Jesus sort of says, there was a rich man mm. and there's this beggar Lazarus. He paints it in great detail. So a lot of people, some commentators will say, this is a made-up story. This is fantasy or, a, you know, mythology or something like that. But then others will say, no, no, Jesus is actually telling a real story of something that he's, he's witnessed firsthand. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, it, it sounds like 
Uh, well, he's certainly painting a scenario that um, is problematic for the Pharisees and the religious leaders because they were invariably quite wealthy. Yeah. And, and, and wealth was even seen as a sort of sign of God's blessing. Yes. Um, and so, you know, the, the rich man and Lazarus at the gate, I mean, it's, you know, and the dog licking, he's covered in sores, you know, so he's he's got some kind of skin disease, so he's unclean, yep. unable to go to the temple. This is another classic case of someone who you think is shut out is actually the one that gets in, yes. and the one that you think is just in, uh, the rich man, is actually shut out. And yep. so, it's this reversal, it's yet, yet again this theme of, uh, of reversal. Now, um, just to... I think it's worth mentioning too that for Luke this is important because he's writing to an early church um, that was, you know, partly Jew, part, partly Gentile, but also struggling with with persecution from the Jewish people, definitely, and kind of making sense of that. And so, um, you know, this kind of reversal, this big reversal, you know, those who are meant to be in yes. are out, and those who were out are now in. Yep. So. Throughout and so much of Jesus' teaching, as Luke records it, you know you have this emphasis, and so I think that's the that's the significance of the rich man and Lazarus is is the whole issue of that reversal. Yes. Now you know it's not the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich, and the poor man didn't go to heaven because he was poor. The the whole point here is about this reversal. It's about yep. the fact that the you know the rich man did not have the fruit of repentance in his life mm. uh, and 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 yet the, the poor man uh, does you know yes. and cuz jesus remember it's in the context of the prodigal son and the, all of this other this other teaching that he tells this so you know the poor man outside the gates the unclean guy this is understand that in the, Let's understand this in the context of Jesus' other teaching. Exactly. Who is this unclean yes. beggar? Oh, that's that's the sinners and all the people that, that they've been complaining about. Exactly. So the point is, is and again, it's they're they get you know Lazarus here stands for them, right? Mm-hmm. And they get how do they get in? They get in because they're responsive to Jesus. That's yep. how they get in. And um, and of course, you know, he's in. He's taken up and he's sitting with Abraham. You know, yeah. uh, you know. The highest, reclining the highest with point, Abraham. Yes. I mean, this is a beautiful picture, and so he is a true child of Abraham. In other, mm. in, in other words, and mm. um, and uh, and yet this, you know, this rich man that in in this context stands for the Pharisees mm. uh, is is shut out. So that's that's what's going on uh, in this in this um, in this parable. Yeah. So we've covered fifteen chapter fifteen. Think about chapter fifteen about Jesus speaking to them about. You know, he's sort of answering the accusations about who was the sinner and who was the righteous in those stories, which flows in then to seventeen. Because right at the start of seventeen, yep, you have the thing about causing people to stumble. Exactly. Now, the thing with these Pharisees is that they had, you know, they're putting lots of stumbling blocks. They're saying to these tax collectors and sinners, whom Jesus is welcoming, they had been saying, "No, you keep out." You're unclean. Get out of here. You know. Mm. So there was no grace, no mercy for them. And Jesus says, uh, "It would be better. F- you know, any things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone around their neck than to mm. cause one of these little ones to stumble." Okay. Now again, you know, the context here uh, presumably is still um, that of you know this. The controversy around the sinners and the tax collectors, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so these little ones—if you cause these little ones to stumble, um, you know—and so 
that's what's going on here. Yeah, and we go through so seventeen. So if we've got fifteen, so there's talking about Jesus, uh, you know, and his relation to seven, sinners. Uh, Sixteen is about the wealth keeping people away from God. You know that financial barrier. Seventeen, he goes really hard into faith and what the kingdom actually is all yeah. about, and that leads into that second. I mean, he ends up healing someone of leprosy mm. as sort of an example of that, and then he goes into teaching about the coming of the kingdom and what yeah. faith is all about. And it's this is some hard teaching here, Matt. This yeah. is some pretty stern stuff, I think. Yeah, that's right. So uh, Jesus is asked at, this, at the beginning of this uh, by the Pharisees mm. when the kingdom of God would come. Now, um, this is interesting because it's an ironic question, isn't it? Because he is the king yeah. and he's been declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. In other words, the kingdom of God has come in the king. Yeah. And and so his caution here is um, is to say the kingdom of God is not it's not what you think it is. Okay, you're looking for this overt, very obvious overt political revolution, like a great military battle or, or something. Uh, but he's saying it's not something that can be observed in a kind of world historical sense. Yeah. Okay, um, nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Yeah. Now uh, he's pointing out the fact that. The kingdom of God is right here in yeah. your midst, in me. Yes. But you actually haven't seen it. No. You haven't actually recognized and a it. A really simple way to even sum up that teaching of Jesus is the kingdom of God isn't outside yeah. of you. Yeah. The kingdom of God is supposed to be within you, you know, with, with listening yeah. to me. You know, you listen to me. Yeah. You let my teaching, you know, come in. And the, that's the kingdom of God. Yeah. But but he that's right. But he does he does then go to address the consummation of the kingdom of God. Yes, he, he does go on to address address what they mean when they talk about the coming of the kingdom, mm-hmm. which is the great day of judgment when all evil will be judged and and so forth. So well, it's interesting that Luke makes a point that he leaves it with the Pharisees like that. Yeah, and then later when he's just with his disciples, he says, yeah. "Let yes, me." T- that's right. Yeah. Let me tell. Let me go further and give you a prophecy about the actual coming yeah, that's of the right. kingdom. That's right. So which is this really is important. Yeah, really quite you know. That that's the uniqueness of Jesus and his teaching is that he knew when and who to reveal himself to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and re- revealing himself to the disciples and telling them about the actual coming coming, coming kingdom yeah. in the future. Ooh. So he, he he says to his disciples. So they've moved away, and now he's actually going to address. What, yeah, as you say, he's going to address what the Pharisees were kind of speaking about. When is this great day? You know, the Parousia, the the, the day of the coming, the, yep. the revelation of, you know, of God's King and the destruction of all evil. Well, he says you're going into times now where you're going to long to see this day. Yes, I mean you're going into hard times, um, uh, but you won't see it. People will tell you there he is, here he is. Do not go running after them. That happens in in the years leading up to 70 AD and the destruction of, of Jerusalem. Lots of false prophecies. Even, even there's one more, you know, Bar Kokhba um, rebellion, which is in um, in the uh, one sort of one thirty around one thirty five, I think. Yes. Um, uh, you know, Bar Kokhba was proclaimed to be the Messiah. You know, and people went after, and it was ended in disaster. And that was like the last kind of Jewish rebellion uh, before um, uh, Hadrian uh, put that put that down. So. Mm. Um, so this is going to happen, and he says to them, "Look, you are going to know when that day happens. Believe me, you will know. There will be no doubting because it will be, you know, when 
he says the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. It's yeah. like you are going to know when this happens. You're boys. not going to miss it. You're yeah, not going to miss right. it. Yeah, and he goes, he goes on, and, he, and, he and ma- yet, and so just let me say to you, yeah. and yet it's going to happen so suddenly. There's, there's going to be this suddenness to it, um, because he wants to go on and, and say, you, make sure you're ready. Uh, make sure you're prepared for this. Um, make sure you're in a place of faith mm. that you're aware because it's going to come suddenly and one person's going to be taken and one person's going to be left. Yes. Bang. Yeah. So, so he, he's talking about, you know, the, the, you know, the end times yeah. there. Obviously, Jesus is looking uh, forward, you know, yeah. as, as a prophet and, and, and giving a prophecy there about what it's going to be like when he's when he finally does return as the king of, yeah. you know, as, as mm. the as the, you know, the ruling king. And he paints a pretty drastic picture, so much so that at the end there, his disciples say, when is all this going to happen? Yeah. You know, because he makes a point. I've got to be rejected. I've got to die before this happens. And after that, blah 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 blah, all these things, and he's and he doesn't even give him a straight answer there. He yeah. just says, "Look, just as gathering vultures show, there is a carcass nearby. When you see these signs, indicate the end is near." Yeah, that's and they, right. And they're like, yeah. "Oh, thanks." You know, like you know, yeah. they're they're left to look. And I love that that anticipation at the end of seventeen sort of leaves you a bit cold of like, well, Jesus didn't really give him a. Oh, an answer there, but that leads us directly. And I love the way that Luke does this. Leads us directly into eighteen, where mm. God, where Jesus then goes, "Let me tell you how powerful yeah. prayer is, yeah, yeah. especially when you're waiting on all of this." Yeah, you know? that's right. Uh, yeah, while you're in in the midst of this uh, this turbulent time that you're going yeah. into, um, uh, and you're going to be because he's just said there will be a time where you're going to long to see the days of the Son of Man. You're going to long for this, yeah. right? You're going to long for vindication, justice, right? But you're not going to get it. But it will come. Mm-hmm. And the key thing is that you've got to keep keep your faith yes. burning strong. And that's the parable of the persistent widow. Yeah. Uh, it's about this widow who keeps after this judge. And, and I mean, the, it's one of these classic instances where God is likened to an unjust judge. Yes, so it's and the idea here is this woman is going to an unjust judge and through her persistence mm. a judge though he doesn't care and he's unjust doesn't yet care just because case. of her persistence yeah. he does what she says. Yeah. And the point is is that if an unjust judge will reward persistence yeah. how much more will a good god reward yes. persistence yeah. okay. So it's the how much more principle in this and 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 he finishes with however when the son of man comes will he find faith on the earth. It's that pers- Persistence in prayer yeah. that is going to keep you in that place of faith and make you ready. And that's why we can say, you know, as, as this is what I love about spending time in God's Word, the, and especially the way that the Holy Spirit has given Luke to lay it out here, it ties back into the teaching that Jesus just gave. Yeah. Jesus is tying it back into, why am I te- why did I go from giving you end-time prophecy to the importance of prayer? You know why? Because you yeah. need to have that right up until the that's end. Right. That's what I'm looking yeah. for. Yep, you need to be ready. So you need to be... You need to be in a right state. This is all of Jesus' um, teaching on the end times, is make sure you are found in a faithful and responsive state, okay? Now, what does that look? Well, he tells another parable that describes what that looks like. It's um, And this is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and they go up to the temple to pray, and uh, one of them says, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this miserable tax collector here. You know, I do all this stuff, I keep the law, and the, the tax collector cannot even live his eyes to heaven, yes, yeah. but he beats his chest and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah. Jesus says, which one of these will be considered right, will be 
is will be considered to be in the right place. Yep. You know, will be considered righteous, will be justified. Yep. Well, it's not. It's not who you think. It, you know, it's not yeah. who they would have thought. That yes. Who the any you know one in that time would have thought. Yeah. Um, it's well. In a way, they should have thought that because this is not just a new idea. No, exactly. It's very, it's very much embedded in the Old Testament stories as well. And if you can't get it from the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee, Jesus goes, let me give you a physical illustration right in front of you. Yeah. There's some kids yeah. around here. I know. It's so subversive. So, you know, he's, he's, he's saying a tax collector, you know, the tax collector who beats his chest and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, is going to be received over the, you know, the Pharisee who's, you know, thinks he's kept all the laws and everything. And then he takes a child. And, and again, you know, uh, he's saying, you need to become like this. So, he's in the face of, you know, people with greater learning and all of these achievements. No, actually, that's not what I want, he's mm. saying. What I want is this childlike malleability, mm. this childlike trust. Mm. That's what I'm looking for. That's what it means uh, to be ready. So, he, he leaves that statement there with the kids, and we're flying through this here. Well, in, in, well where it goes, yeah. now, now, you know, because it goes straight into a very famous story about a rich young man that comes yeah. to him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's such a beautiful flow because yes. he's, you know, he's talked about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Yeah. So, it's the tax collector, the one that recognises that he's not worthy that enters. Yep. You need to become like a little children. Yeah. So, a ruler comes up to him, says, what must I do to inherit uh, eternal life? Um, Jesus says, and this is a really interesting leading question, why do you call me good? Yeah. Uh, so, this is about goodness. What is it? What does it mean to be, yep. uh, you know, to be good? No one is good except God alone. Now, that's a kind of hint, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a hint for him. No one is good except for God alone. Um, so, Jesus says, you know the commandments, you shall not commit it, you shall not murder, you shall not. Um, now, it's interesting what he doesn't say here as well. You know, he doesn't say, uh, he just says, you know the command. It's yeah. he's, he's testing the water here. He's not saying anything about salvation or... No. Um, and goes to the law. That's goes right. He law. goes to the law because he's fishing for something, and he's fishing for this man's overconfidence. He's like the the Pharisee in the in the yeah. in that story, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Yeah. Well, he says, "I've kept all of these." And of course, remember, he's a rich man and and would have been looked up to. He's mm-hmm. you know seen as someone who's blessed. Um, Jesus says, "Well, you still lack one thing: sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven." Now, one of the one of the things that's shocking about this is what made the man rich. We ju- we think of cash in the bank. Mm. It would have been property that made this man rich. Mm. It would have been land. Mm. Okay. Now, land is important because ownership of land, the pro- in the promised, the promised land, land, is like exactly. a, is like a badge of identity. Yeah. Okay. So this is you know it's oh so you need to get rid of that badge. In other words, he's saying, yeah. you know, get rid of th- that badge. And uh, and give it to the poor, uh, and then come and follow me. And I think even here, you know, again, we're in the context of it's similar to rich man and Lazarus. Yes, it, it's this isn't about so much poverty and wealth no. in a physical sense. This is about spiritual poverty and spiritual wealth. Yeah, and it's almost like there's this sense of acknowledge actually that those in spiritual po- it's you've got to give it to them. You know what I mean? That they're the ones that. Uh, so, in a sense, you're becoming like them. There's there's another subtext here that I really enjoy, and I imagine this as I tend to imagine, yeah. you know, if I was watching a movie. I, sen- I, s- I sense this thing where, like, Peter and James and John and the disciples 
had been talking to this guy. Yeah. And they're going, oh, this is who we need. Oh, yeah. We yeah. need more of these guys. Yes, yeah, yeah. This is a rich man. <laughs> this guy owns probably. Come and meet Jesus. Yeah. He's, you know, and, and, and he's sincere. And he's yeah. like, I do, I've heard about this teacher. I want to know what it means. So he comes and, and asks these spiritual questions about the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus entertains it for a while. And then, as Jesus, only Jesus can do, puts his finger right on the sore spot. And the guy walks away sad because he is so wealthy. And as the disciples watch him walk away, they're, they're like, you can, hear, you it doing? Pe- you yeah. can hear it in Peter's voice. He's yeah. like, what? We, yeah. we've left everything. Who is going to yeah. be saved? What is going on yeah, here? That's right. I mean, we're going to start a movement. <laughs> and you've turned away the very sort of people that are going to actually spur this movement on. Jesus' yeah. point is, no, actually, that's not. Uh, that that's not the kind of people that yeah. you know. That kind of heart is not exactly what is not going to spur this movement on. Yeah. We've so, left our homes and followed yeah, yeah. you, Jesus. And, and the thing is interesting <laughs> here because they then say, "Who then can be saved?" Yeah. And Jesus' reply is so rich because he says, uh, "What is impossible with man is." is possible with God. So the thing is the rich man could have been saved, but he need to realize, he needed to realize how impossible naturally yes. it impossible it was for him to be saved so that he would throw himself dependently like a child mm. or like the tax collector in the story about the Pharisee and the tax mm. collector, you know, beg for mercy, uh, you know, he needed to realize that impossibility to actually access the supernatural um, point of access that God had made available in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So there's more going on. There's a oh, lot going on here, and you've got to scratch below the surface. You've got to spend this. some time and reread it a few yep. times. And again, the way the flow, the way the flow goes. I know it's a theme of today's episode is the flow of it. From this, he gathers his disciples around him in chapter 18 here. And yep. then Jesus really clearly, in stunning clarity, yep. says, well, I'm about to fulfill all the prophecies, boys. Yeah. I'm going to Jerusalem. This is what's going to happen. And Luke makes a note here. And again, imagine Luke doing the research. You know, he's, he's carried by the Holy Spirit in, in remembering the words. He's talking to all the disciples and apostles. He's talking to the early church. He's getting all the records together. And he makes a note here from what they've been able to tell him. But they didn't understand a thing he said. That's right. So he's got, you know, he's gone from, he's turned away a rich man. And as yeah. you said, they're probably thinking, what is he doing? So just compound their confusion even more. Yeah. He this says, what's all now about. I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer and, and all of these terrible things are going to happen. Yeah. And they're thinking, what? what? So no wonder it says in verse 34, 1834, yeah. the yeah. disciples did not understand any of this. Okay, They didn't grasp it at all. And what happens next, I think, yes. feeds off this yeah. uh, and, and has its significance in the light of this because – He's going along, and as he's walking along, it's a blind man <laughs> that actually recognizes him. That, you know, it's the it's like a blind yeah. man gets yeah. it. So they don't understand, but this blind man cries out, "Son of David, have mercy on me!" And Jesus says, "What do you want for me to do for you?" And um, uh, he says, "Lord, I want to see." Uh, Jesus said to him, "Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you." So. And again, I think this is speak. It's this is not just a wonder; it's a sign. Yes. Okay, and yep. it, it it's connected with what has just happened. Right? They're not getting it. They're yep. not understanding. Not at all. But if you want to see, yep. you can. Yep. If you want to understand, you will. Mm. Because lots of people weren't getting it, but some people were. And so this is about, 
you know, this is about who gets it and who doesn't, who uh, sees and who doesn't. Okay, so as we wrap, we've run out of time, Matt. As we as we're pondering this and reading this again, and I'm hoping and praying that everybody listening at home or wherever you're listening to this. You're, you've entered into the kingdom. You, you're probably a believer. Mm. You know, we, the feedback that we get is most, the overwhelming most people who are listening to this are on a Christian journey and, and going through this. How are we to read this as someone who's been in, in the church or part of the church or in the kingdom for a period of time? How do we, how do we not become mm. blind? How do we have this faith, man? How do we, how yeah. do we how do we take on board what yeah. Jesus is saying and make sure that we're not missing what he's trying to tell yeah. us today well we need to face the reality that we do we we do become blind we do lose our sight we lose a vision uh we we get to and and anyone who honestly uh looks at their christian life can should be able to look and say you know what there were times I just didn't get it. Yeah. I missed so much. And the more conscious we are of how blind we can be, the more dependent we are going to become on God to learn to see. You know, it's about allowing God to speak, to keep that to keep that responsiveness. Because remember, all along the way, what Jesus has been looking out for here is responsiveness. He wants responsiveness. And that looks like dependence. That looks like a blind man saying, Jesus, I'm blind. I can't see. Help me. Help me to see. So I think Jesus wants us to continually come back to that place for us to recognize we are blind unless we are led by Jesus, unless we are given sight by Jesus. We are so dependent on that. And I think we need to come back and back to that place of dependence. I think the word I'm looking for is paradox, as I hear Matthew talk about this concept of faith and being dependent on God, being dependent on Christ. And so often we try to live our lives independently of Him. I've just been reminded again in my own personal life and reading how useless that is to try to walk in our own strength and how very dependent we are on Him for everything. In that spirit, we're dependent on you. So I really implore you to head over to thrivetoday.tv. And as you've heard me already state, we need your help financially. Please consider being a monthly partner with us, whatever you can afford, starting at $5 a month, right on through to whatever you feel is the right amount. We'll see you over there at thrivetoday.tv. And we'll be back here to finish up the Gospel of Luke in another fortnight. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. 
Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production. <laughs>